so I want to invite you at this point to get your Bibles out. We're in a series on the heart of sunrise. That's the name of the series. Estamos mirando el corazón de la iglesia amanecer. And as you open up your Bibles, in just a moment, we're going to go to Acts chapter 11, verse 18, and we'll be in other places as well today. Vamos a comenzar con Hechos 18, uh, 11, 18. So take a moment to get those uh, Bibles open, get to where you are, and I want you to know if you didn't get a sheet when you came in the door, we, we have extras. Raise your hand if you need a sheet. These are some questions for you to ponder and place to take notes. Hay apuntes aquí, preguntas, and the hope is through this series you're taking this home, and maybe you're talking about it in your families or with friends or even at a study uh, over coffee with someone. So please make sure you've got that as well. So the year was 1996. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Estuve en Atlanta. I was in Atlanta, Georgia with 40,000 other Christian leaders, 40,000 pastors uh, and other leaders from all different Christian denominations, all different racial backgrounds, all different ages, all different socioeconomic levels, you name it, education levels. We were there in that one place. Éramos 40,000 pastores de varias denominaciones, varios trasfondos raciales, edades, etc. And for three days or so, we filled the Georgia Dome. Llenamos un estadio. And we filled that Georgia Dome for three days with prayer. Lo llenamos de oración. We filled the Georgia Dome with songs of praise to God. Con cantos de alabanza llenamos el estadio. We filled the Georgia Dome also with the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Había predicación. And for three days... There were expressions, acts of repentance and reconciliation. Hubo actos de arrepentimiento y reconciliación, especially across racial and ethnic lines. Different people asking for forgiveness, granting forgiveness for sins, for hurts committed across different lines, ethnic and racially. Uh, hubo expresiones de, de arrepentimiento y, y, y de reconciliación uh, de una raza a otra, pidiendo perdón y, y concediendo el perdón. I can still remember being on my knees up in an upper deck of the Georgia Dome, on my knees with 40,000 other leaders praying for our country, praying for our world. Estuve de rodillas con estos líderes. Our, our skin was of different shades. We were Asian, African American, Hispanic, white, Native American, éramos de varios colores, but our hearts were all beating for one thing, and one thing only, for Jesus and his kingdom. Estábamos, teníamos un corazón para el Señor Jesús y su reino. And I will never forget that moment. It was like a, a revival that sparked something very deep in my soul. Fue como un avivamiento que me tocó profundamente. That was in 1996. That was two years before I came to Tulare. Eso fue antes, dos años antes de llegar acá. It was two years before the beginning of, of what we now know as as Sunrise Community Church, fue dos años antes de esta iglesia, antes de comenzarla. I had no idea in 1996 that I was going to end up here. 
in the Central Valley. I had no idea that God was calling me here. No sabía que Dios me iba a llamar aquí. What I can tell you as of that point, one thing in my mind was very clear. I wanted to be a part of a multicultural church, a multicultural movement. Yo quería ser parte de una iglesia multicultural. And so when, when we did come together in Tulare and the vision for sunrise began to coalesce and the vision for sunrise began to, to form, it became abundantly clear. We wanted to be a, a community that reflected the larger ethnic and racial and cultural diversity of our region, of our community. Queríamos ser como iglesia una comunidad que reflejaba la diversidad étnica, racial de nuestra región. That's what was on my heart. That's still what's on my heart. Eso está en mi corazón. But way more importantly, I believe that's what's on God's heart. Ese es el corazón de Dios. We see evidence of that very early on in the history of the church. If we look at Acts chapter 10, for example, we find this amazing story where through a, a series of divine coincidences, the Holy Spirit leads the apostle Peter to go and go beyond his own people, go beyond his own ethnic group, the Jews, to share the message of Jesus with a Roman soldier by the name of Cornelius and his family. Pedro va más allá de su tribu, los judíos, para compartir a Cristo con Cornelio, un romano. And when he does that, God shows up. The Holy Spirit fills Cornelius and his family, they embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. El Espíritu lo llena. Cornelius y su familia abrazan al Señor. And they come to faith. And, and Peter and the other disciples, the other apostles are just blown away. This blows out all of their categories. They don't get it. Pedro y los otros discípulos están asombrados. And in Acts 11, verse 18, it says that they praised God, saying, So then... God has granted even unto the Gentiles repentance to eternal life. Así que también a los gentiles les ha concedido Dios arrepentimiento para vida. Who would have thought Jesus is even for non-Jewish people too? Jesús es hasta para personas que no son judías. You see, up to that point, the church had pretty much been exclusively a Jewish phenomenon. La iglesia hasta ese punto era más que nada judía. But here we find God in Acts 10 gives the green light for the message of Jesus to go way beyond the Jews. Dios da luz verde para que se lleve el mensaje más allá de los judíos. He gives the green light so that the message can go to what are called the Gentiles. That's actually most of us in this room, I'm imagining. The Gentiles are also known as the nations. In the Greek language of the New Testament, it's the ethne, from which we get our, our English word ethnic. Llevan el evangelio a los gentiles, es decir, las naciones o los etne, es decir, los de grupos étnicos. And so what happens? In Acts 11.20, we find that there are some Greek-speaking Jews from the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean and some Greek-speaking Jews from the north part of Africa 
And they go together and they converge on a different city in what is now Syria, the city of Antioch. Unos judíos habla griega de Chipre, del norte de África, van a Antioquia, lo que es ahora Siria. And they began to share Jesus with Greek people. They began to talk to people who aren't Jews. Empiezan a compartir con los griegos. And what happens? Acts 11.21 tells us. Hechos 11.21 nos dice. It says, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. El Señor estaba con ellos y un gran número creyó y se convirtió al Señor. Jesus shows up. And all these people come to faith in him. And, and the church in Jerusalem in headquarters, they hear about it. Los de la iglesia de Jerusalén saben de esto. And, and so what do they do? They send a representative up to Antioch to figure out what's going on and viene un representante his name is Barnabas Bernabé and Barnabas goes up there and he sees evidence of God at work all over the place he sees God's hand in everything el evidencia de la gracia del Señor so what does Barnabas do? well Barnabas it says in Acts 11.25 goes to a place called Sarsis, Tarsus to look for Saul a recent convert el batarso en busca de Saulo and he comes back with Saul to Antioch and it says in Acts 11.26 for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people durante todo un año se reunieron los dos con la iglesia enseñaron a mucha gente and it says there the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch fue en Antioquía donde a los discípulos se les llamó cristianos por Primera vez. Trivia question. Where were the Christians first known as Christians? ¿Dónde fueron los cristianos primeramente llamados cristianos? It was not in Jerusalem. Where it all started, it wasn't there. No fue en Jerusalén. Why? Because in Jerusalem, most people thought the Christians were, were just a sect of Judaism. That they were just a branch of Judaism. Pensaban que los cristianos de Jerusalén eran unos judíos. It was in Antioch that people first recognized that something different was going on because in Antioch, you had different groups, different ethnicities, different cultures and languages and peoples coming together to form a new people, Jesus' people, Christ ones, also known as Christians. En Antioquia había varios pueblos que formaban un solo pueblo, los de Jesús, los Cristianos. So when we talk about being a multicultural church, I think we need to understand what we're looking at. A, a multicultural church is not a church where all of the differences between people are erased and everybody kind of comes into the same uh, uh, blend. No se trata de eliminar las diferencias. In a multicultural church, what we're talking about is bringing differences together and maintaining some of those unique differences under the one banner of Jesus Christ. Et trae las diferencias bajo la bandera del Señor Jesús. And we need to understand that's significant, and it's also not easy. No es nada fácil. Why? Because it's not natural for people to do that. No es nada natural. The natural thing for us, sociologists today will even say it, we as human beings are tribal 
in nature. We naturally want to congregate with people who are like us. We naturally want to be with our own group. We naturally want to identify with people who are like us. Naturalmente queremos identificarnos con los que son como nosotros. That's natural. And it's been that way almost since the beginning. If we go to Genesis chapter 11 in the Bible, we find that there actually was a time when in the world there was just one language and there was just one culture, basically. Había un tiempo donde había un sola lengua y un sola cultura. And people got together, which was good, but they got together for the wrong reason. The human race came together in order to be united against God in order to build a tower that would reach up to heaven so that they could storm the gates of heaven and basically challenge God's authority. Se reunieron para construir una torre al cielo para así arrectar la autoridad de Dios. It was sinful. And so God put a stop to that. God came down and confused their language. Dios les confundió la lengua. So they couldn't understand each other. And eventually what happened is that people were scattered throughout the earth. They separated into their different language groups, their different cultures, their different tribes, their different ethnicities. Y las personas después se dispersaron. And what was the result? Well, the result is a lot of what we see going on today. That's the result. El resultado fue lo que vemos hoy en día. Ethnic strife. Ethnic uh, distrust, ethnic suspicion, la sospecha étnica, la desconfianza, la contienda étnica. It's what we're experiencing in living color today, lo que tenemos hoy en día. And so when we think about where we are today as a multicultural church, we're in the middle of a racial climate that is very tense. Estamos entre un clima racial que muy, muy tenso. There's a, a Christian author by the name of Isaac Adams who's written about this, and I like what he says. He says, right now the race conversation we're trying to have in our society feels often like we are talking to each other at the Tower of Babel. Es como si estuviéramos hablando unos con otros en la Torre de Babel. Maybe we're trying to get something done. Maybe we're trying to build something together, but it's like we're talking past each other. We're not speaking the same language. We can't even agree on the same language to speak. Estamos, no nos estamos comunicando aunque queramos reconstruir algo. And he goes on to make a point that I think is important. He says that if we are driven by what the world says about this, instead of what the word of God says, we're going to be sorely disappointed when we try to communicate with one another. Si estamos impulsados por lo que dice el mundo y no la palabra de Dios, vamos a estar decepcionados. Because he says the world and its demands, it sets up a dynamic that the world's demands are impossible to meet. Es imposible cumplir con las demandas del mundo. Social media would try to convince us that there's really only two ways you can go. Los medios sociales dicen que hay solo dos opciones. Either you believe that Racism 
is something that has basically been eliminated from the human family. That really racism has been dealt with, it's done with, it's gone. It's the one sin we've gotten rid of on this planet. O, o crees que el racismo es algo que has eliminado del planeta. Or you believe that racism is so pervasive, it is the original sin, it's the sin that stains everything, and it is the unpardonable sin. O crees que el racismo es lo que es el pecado original que toca todo y es imperdonable. Those are the two options. Either you are a racist or you are a Marxist. Take your pick. Whether racista or Marxista. There's nothing in between. And we're not communicating. There's a rapper and theologian I love by the name of Shai Lin and respected and read a book by him. Shai Lin is a reformed theologian and he says that the Bible gives us better categories. The Bible gives us better language for talking about these issues. La Biblia nos da mejor lenguaje, dice un, un, un teólogo Shai Lin. In fact, he says the Bible really doesn't even use the concept of racism, the Bible talks about what he would call ethnic sin. La Biblia habla de lo que es el pecado étnico. And when you drill down to what the Bible shares, he says really there are at least six different categories of what he calls ethnic sin, and they vary in degrees, but they're all sinful. Hay como seis categorías de, de pecado étnico, and even as I list these, you may be able to think of instances in the Bible that point to these. So he says, there's, first of all, there's ethnic neglect. Hay la negligencia étnica. That's when you just simply ignore someone because of their ethnicity. Ignoras a alguien por su etnicidad. Then there's also ethnic favoritism. Hay el favoritismo étnico. This is, this is where you may favor someone of an ethnic group over someone else of another ethnic group. Favoreces a una persona de un grupo étnico sobre otra. There's ethnic pride. That's just the basic superiority complex. My group's better than your group. Hay el orgullo étnico que es la superioridad. There's ethnic idolatry where I worship my people and your people are nothing. Hay la idolatría étnica donde yo adoro a mi pueblo. And then there's ethnic oppression, active attempts to put people down, to force people into boxes, to limit people, to outlaw in some ways what people do. Hay la opresión étnica donde hay esfuerzos para oprimir a la gente. And then finally, ethnic hatred, el orgullo o el odio étnico. And that gets expressed in a lot of different ways, including violence. Esa es la violencia incluso. And you think about those six categories, and I can think of stories for every single one of them. When we think about it this way, here's the thing. Uh, under the word of God, under, under this understanding of ethnic sin, we all stand guilty. And we all need forgiveness. And we all need grace. Todos estamos culpables y todos ocupamos la gracia de Dios. And here's the good news. 
There is forgiveness. There is grace. And there is power to change this. It's found in the one true human being, Jesus Christ. Hay el poder cambiar eso en el Señor Jesucristo. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says that by his death on the cross, by his resurrection, by his body, Jesus Christ has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility that separates the peoples. Back then it was Jew and Gentile. Today it's all kinds of people. Jesucristo por su muerte de resurrección ha derribado el muro de enemistad entre los pueblos. And now he's made it possible for there to be out of the two groups, or the three groups or four groups, one. One people. Christians. Christ people. Un solo pueblo. Cristianos. That's the good news. So what Jesus does is he brings different kinds of people together, not to hate God and each other, to defy God and hate each other. Jesús no une a las personas para desafiar a Dios y odiarnos. He brings people together so we can love God. And we can love each other. And we can show the world how to love God and how to love each other. Así podemos amar a Dios, amar a los otros y mostrar al mundo como amarnos unos a otros. It's the reverse of the curse of Babel. It's el reverso de Babel. God came down at Babel to split the people up. Jesus comes down to bring the people together. Jesús une a las personas. There's a beautiful picture of this that I found in the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezequiel, capítulo 36. Beginning at verse 33, I want to walk you through this word picture from the prophet Ezequiel 36, This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. Así dice el Señor Omnipotente, el día que los purifique de todas sus iniquidades, poblaré las ciudades y reconstruiré las ruinas. On the day that God takes care of our sin problem, on the day he takes care of Israel's sin and our sin, God says, I'm going to rebuild something. Voy a reconstruir algo el día que los purifique, dice Dios. That's talking about what Jesus has come to do, I believe. And that says in verse 34, the desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. Se cultivará la tierra desolada y ya no estará desierta a la vista de cuantos pasan por ella. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. Entonces se dirá, esta tierra que antes ya hacía desolada es ahora como un jardín de Edén. So, I, verse 34 says, the desolate land will be cultivated. That's not just talking about land. That's talking about people. Se cultivará la tierra desolada, es decir, los pueblos. There's a connection here between the idea of cultivate and culture. Cultivar y la cultura tienen una conexión. What is a culture? What is a culture? A, a culture is the collection of habits, thought patterns, traditions, values, ways that a people cultivate 
with one another. It's a culture. Son los valores, hábitos y tradiciones que se cultivan en un pueblo. This is saying that when God provides for the forgiveness and cleansing of sin, he's going to start to cultivate something new in the land. He's going to cultivate a new culture. He's going to cultivate a new people. Dios, cuando nos purifique, va a cultivar un nuevo pueblo. And what will be the result of this? It will be like an Eden on the earth. It will be like a little beginning, a little seed of the Garden of Eden planted amongst the human race. Será como, como una semilla del huerto de Edén. And then verse 36 says this, Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and replanted what was desolate. Dice, entonces, las naciones que quedaron a sus alrededores sabrán que yo, el Señor, reconstruí lo que estaba derribado y replanté lo que había quedado como desierto. So when God acts to save us from our sins, he's going to begin to cultivate a new people that will be like a seed of the Garden of Eden planted on earth. And by that, the nations, everybody else around is going to know that this is something that only God can do. Only God could do something like this. Dios va a cultivar algo como Edén en las naciones que solo Él puede hacer. So when we talk about being a multicultural church, what are we talking about? We're talking about cultivating, cultivating an environment where peoples of every tribe and tongue and culture and ethnicity and race can come together and be one under the person of Jesus Christ. Se trata de cultivar un, un, una comunidad donde todos los pueblos podemos estar juntos y uno en Cristo. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing that only God can do. Es algo sobrenatural que solo hace Dios. And when you think about it, to be in a, a community like that, in a culture like that, is going to mean a couple of things. One thing it's going to mean is, ideally, there should be something in that community that every single person can identify with and say, hey, that's, that's a part of who I am. That reminds me of, of my tribe. That reminds me of where I come from. Idealmente hay algo de mi familia con la cual puedo identificarme. Ideally, there should be something you say, yeah, I connect with this, but then also ideally there should be some discomfort, some disconnect where you say, wait a minute, this is different. This is weird. This is not my tribe. Idealmente también hay incomodidad donde uno dice, no, yo, yo no me conecto así con esto. And I think, as I think about the last 24 years at Sunrise, I think that's what we've been experiencing as a church. As we've been worshiping in English and in Spanish, we're worshiping in languages that most of us can identify with one or the other, but we're not going to be comfortable all the way. Estamos adorando en inglés, español. We have worshiped in a variety of ways through, through traditional hymns. I love the traditional hymns. Great is thy faithfulness. But we also worship through contemporary choruses and through Latin rhythms and gospel rhythms. Did you catch that on the first song today? We were clapping on one and three, not two and four. Were you comfortable with that? I went with it. I wasn't comfortable. 
You're not supposed to clap on one and three. Everybody knows it's two and four. Right? Wrong. We were clapping on one and three. Estábamos pues batiendo las manos en uno y tres, no dos y cuatro. We've worshipped through very formal aspects of worship where we have readings and, and formal things on the screen that we read, responsive readings. Adoramos en cosas formales como lecturas antifonales. We also do things spontaneous like, hey, let's get in a circle and pray. Hacemos cosas espontáneas también. I have such a great love for all of the people at Sunrise, and I am continually amazed. I'm amazed by our Spanish speakers, those that only speak Spanish, how they hang in with not even understanding a lot. Me asombro ante mis hermanos que solo hablan español, que ustedes están aquí y toleran que no entienden tanto. Me toca eso. ¿Sí? Y se quedan. They stay. Why? There's love there. I'm almost equally amazed by you English speakers only, who only speak English. And you have allowed so much room in this church for there to be Spanish spoken. In fact, if we don't speak enough, you're insisting that we speak more. And you're insisting that we include our brothers and sisters. I'm so grateful for that. Los que hablan inglés también insisten en incluir a mis hermanos que solo hablan español. Thank God. Right? Yes. Yes. And I... Forgive me. Such a great love and respect for my African American brothers and sisters who are here. Les respeto a mis hermanos afroamericanos. I'm only beginning to understand how much you are stretched in life, and that stretches me. And you bring so much joy and passion for the Lord. It wouldn't be the same without you. I love you. Mis hermanos afroamericanos, ustedes traen tanto. Tengo tanto respeto que de veras son tan flexibles. And I could go on. I could go on. We've had some victories in this. We've had a lot of misfires. Are we doing this right perfectly? No way. We've hurt each other. Do you know when you're in a family, you're going to step on each other's toes? You're going to hurt each other. That's okay. Está bien. We're not always going to communicate well. That doesn't mean we give up. Got to keep going. We're Asian, black, European, Hispanic, Native American, coming all together. Somos muchos pueblos que nos unimos, and yet we're just one people. We're just one people, Jesus people. We're Christ ones, Christians. Now, there's a couple things I want to encourage and challenge us with right now today as we think about who we've been as a multicultural church. One, I want to encourage you, embrace the discomfort. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, okay? Abracen la incomodidad. And it's okay. In fact, 
I hope that we're even more uncomfortable. You know, I've been thinking, we don't have enough of the amen corner around here. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. You know, I'm, stand up and raise your hands or put your hands at your side. It doesn't matter. If the other person's doing something that's uncomfortable for you, good. Good. So embrace the discomfort. The second thing is that we would be intentional about building friendships, relationships with brothers and sisters who may be from a different cultural background. Tenemos que ser intencionales. Not as a program. You can't program that. No como programa, but, but simply out of a heart's desire to experience more the love of Christ, the love of God through a brother or a sister. And, and if you've never experienced that, I want to invite you to to be asking the Lord how you can take steps towards someone else who may be very different from you. ¿Cómo puedes conocer a alguien diferente? In Revelation 7, verse 9, we see something. It's a picture of the future. And Martín's the one that keyed me into this. He said that um, even in God's eternal kingdom in heaven, our differences won't go away. Our differences won't go away. Aún en el cielo no se van a desaparecer las diferencias. The key in, in being the church is not to erase our differences. The key is to blend them and harmonize them until they become a great song of praise and glory to God. La, la clave es armonizar las diferencias, no borrarlas para cantar al Señor. And that's what we see in Revelation 10, 9. It says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Apareció una multitud tomada de todas las naciones, tribus, pueblos, y lenguas. Era tan grande que nadie podía contarla. Estaban de pie delante del trono y del cordero. And they were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, vestidos de túnicas blancas con ramos, ramas de palma en la mano. And they were shouting, singing, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. La salvación viene de nuestro Dios que está sentado en el trono y del Cordero. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's our future. So maybe we can make it our present just a little bit more. Ese es nuestro futuro. May God help us to cultivate this. Cultivemos esto juntos. I want to invite you to pray with me. Vamos a orar. God, I thank you so much we're living in a world where people are hating each other so much based on language and ethnicity. There's a terrible, terrible conflict going on right now because of that and it's just one of many hay muchos conflictos en el mundo por la el odio étnico Señor and Lord we ask first of all for your forgiveness we humble ourselves before you to say Lord Jesus we have failed to recognize that all are created in the image of God Hemos fallado para reconocer que todos somos creados a imagen de Dios. And Jesus, we want to be more and more created in the image of Christ.
And the image of Christ is not limited by color or language or anything else in our genetic makeup. It's the image of Christ is you, Jesus, in us, in every single follower of you. La imagen de Cristo a la cual quieres crearnos no se limita por nuestra apariencia genética, sino tu presencia en nosotros. Eso es. Lord, I pray, help us at sunrise. Help us to stretch. Help us to grow. Help us to embrace. Help us to look beyond ourselves to you, that we give you worship and glory, and that when people are hurting, we listen, we come with kindness and tenderness. When people are angry, we listen. When people are confused, in whatever state people are, help us to be your presence in their lives. Sea que las personas estén enojadas o, o tristes, o sea lo que sea su condición emocional, ayúdanos a llegar a ellos con la presencia de Cristo. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today. It's been a beautiful time together celebrating who you are and how you work in the peoples of the world. Continue that work, we pray. Que sigas tu obra en los pueblos del mundo, la obra de Cristo. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.